Welcome to Blasty Airwaves with Blast Intermediate Unit 17. My name is Rebecca Gibbony, and I am the Coordinator of Professional Learning at Blast Intermediate Unit 17. Here at Blast, we strive to transform lives and communities through educational services. For this season of Blasty Airwaves, we have a special guest co-host who is working to create and sustain pathways to employment in our region by uniting her community around common goals in STEM learning. This season's guests come from nine counties total, representing different local industries all across Northeastern and Central Pennsylvania. I'd like to introduce you to Alexandra Consort-Grushinsky, STEM Services Coordinator for NEIU-19 and current lead of NEPA STEM Ecosystem. Alexandra, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be able to work with you for our celebration of STEM and industry this year. Our STEM ecosystem is holding a week-long series of free events and opportunities highlighting industry partners and the benefits they have in our five-county region. Our hope is that by listening to the wide variety of employment opportunities available in our region from folks in our community who live it every day, we can shed a light on what's possible for our young people. Alexandra, we are so excited to partner with you in this endeavor and celebrate industry and STEM. On this podcast, we will provide you with educational solutions and resources for all, no matter the learning environment. So teachers, administrators, students, caregivers, industry partners, everyone, what are you waiting for? What would happen if we started questioning? What if our students and educators got the opportunities to sit down with members of the community? What if we bridge that gap? What connections would we discover? I don't know about you, Alexandra, but it is time to blast the airwaves. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Teresa Micknick, Physician Assistant, and Alexandra Kantor-Grushinsky, STEM Services Coordinator of NEIU-19 and current lead of NEPA STEM Ecosystem. Teresa, Alexandra, Thanks so much for joining us today to discuss STEM skills used in your industry. Specifically, Teresa, we will be discussing how knowledge of different STEM skills are important in your current job position as a physician assistant. So are you guys ready to blast the airwaves? Yes, absolutely. So Teresa, why don't we start, um, if you could tell us a little bit more about your role in, in your industry and what it's like being a physician assistant. So um, I have been a PA for 30 years, um, and I'm only 35, so. <laughs> but um, I'm a graduate of King's College, and I have, I have been in the same job for the last 30 years. So I've been in the same private practice, practice, family practice office for the last 30 years. That is awesome. That's a lot. That's not usual anymore nowadays. A lot of people change positions or change offices. Yeah. And I feel very fortunate because I, you know, you get to meet a lot of people and continue the relationships with a lot of people and, you know, the different generations. I've been taking care of with some families, three generations of the families. And it really makes a big difference in, you know, in being a PA because you know that family history firsthand, you know, you know what grandma had and grandpa had and and what illnesses and how they responded. So it really does make a big difference. It's a really good advantage to have a lot of times. Definitely, definitely. 
Teresa, it's it's amazing to be able to interview you, first of all, um, but to also have someone with so much experience being able to speak to our listeners. So would you be able to describe for us what your typical day looks like at your job? Yep. So it starts off in the morning um, with a lot of computer work, looking at the labs and messages and following up from things that happened the day before, you know, any kind of test results or um, following up if someone was very ill, how they're doing, or if they had to go to the hospital, checking in with the nursing homes to make sure they have what they need for the day, any new orders or changes. And then typically patients will start to come in for nurse visits with, you know, for injections, especially now COVID injections and flu shots, it's that time of year. And then um, we'll start seeing our patients. Um, typically we start you know, because of COVID that has changed a little bit, we'll see our well visits first, and then we'll save room at the end of the morning and the end of the afternoon for sick visits. So, you know, we just don't, so we can separate those patients. And then, you know, you know, spend the day fielding phone calls, issues, problems, you know, that may arise because a lot of it's acute. We have, you know, some some chronic things scheduled, but, you know, we never know what's going to happen that day. It's always something new. Is it, is it safe to say, Teresa, that COVID was the, the most disruptive feature that has changed um, the way your day goes in your position? Or, or are there other things maybe that were different, more different? Well, in the last 30 years, I have to say, yes, that has changed the dynamic completely of how we usually do things. It's changed the schedule. It's changed, you know, in the very beginning of COVID, we weren't able to order a COVID test. We had no COVID treatments. You know, we just had to hand it off to someone else and say, you know, call this number and see if you can get a COVID test. And then the patients got the results. We didn't get the results. So for the first two months of COVID, it was very different because, you know, the patients had to communicate to us what happened. We usually, we get those results. Fortunately, that all changed quickly. And now we could order COVID tests. We have vaccines. So we're kind of back in the role of, of you know, driving how, how things go and ordering and following up before we, you know, we had to put that back in the patient's hands, which we never did before. You know, we usually order and tell them the results. Now the patients was responsible. So I do feel better, but COVID has changed everything in the beginning. You know, we had a call to come into the office. You couldn't just walk in like you're used to. Um, we went to telemedicine. So a lot of things did change. Now it's back to normal, basically. Um, you know, we kind of went back to the same model, but it is still definitely, you know, definitely different. And I think some of it, some of the changes may stay like telemedicine, for example. Interesting, Teresa. Um, I know before the recording started, we were talking a little bit about telemedicine and kind of your predictions for what you feel might be the future of telemedicine. Would you at all mind um, talking to listeners a little bit about how, what you think might be happening in telemedicine into the future? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, being a PA for 30 years, I reluctantly went to telemedicine because I was used to seeing the patient. So we couldn't imagine doing it any other way. And in some industries, telemedicine is great, like psychiatry, you know, because talking over the phone or, or, you know, online is fine. But I, you know, I have to see the patients for a lot of things, you know, you can't suture over the phone, you can't listen to the heart and lungs over the phone. But I feel that telemedicine in the, la in the first six months of COVID really 
allowed us to see our patients without telemedicine, we, we wouldn't be able to do that. So we were so fortunate to have that as a resource. Now we can continue to use it, you know, in some professions, some specialties, a limited fashion, other specialties could use it a lot more. And I think as with anything, because we were forced to do it, we like it now. If we weren't forced to do it, I don't know if I would have tried it thinking, oh no, this will never work. So it does, you know, it did teach us a lesson that we should try new things because sometimes there is some good that comes out of it. So I think it definitely has, you know, a benefit. Like we had a hospital discharge and the patient didn't know how to do, you know, use the insulin pen. So I was able to hop on and show him how to use that pen. And I was, I could see him using it. So I knew that he was able to use it. So it definitely has its benefits. I think we're going to see telemedicine definitely stay probably, you know, different in, in each of the, of the specialties, but it's something we could usually use as a resource. And I find that now, even if someone, if we have to refer them to tertiary care, like if they have a cancer or something, you know, that we're going to refer off to a specialty, that specialist could talk to them first quickly. Like we don't have to wait three months for an appointment. They can go and, you know, do a televisit and then, you know, they can meet later for a treatment plan. So it does expedite, like a lot of patients could see practitioners faster sometimes, which is great too. That really is an added benefit. Teresa, I think that's super fascinating. Um, and it's so important to go out of the comfort zone because you can learn so much, uh, yet it's the hardest thing to do. Yes. But I'm yes. glad you can see a silver lining <laughs> with that. And, and we're doing the same thing in education right now. Like, what do we change to make for the better for the future after everything that we're learning? And there are definitely things that, that we can grow from. So thank you for that, that share. We're wondering, you know, as you were preparing to be a physician assistant, what career or college path or even classes did you take to prepare yourself for this line of work? Most of it were, you know, all based in the sciences, chemistry, biology, um, physics. So it was all, it's a bachelor of science course. It's different now. When I, when I did it, there was not a master's program. Now, um, when PAs are graduating, they're graduating with masters. So um, along with the sciences, there's a lot of, there's some business courses as well as they take, you know, they take in management courses, which I think is very important and useful. Um, you know, the science courses, of course, you need, you know, to, to do your everyday job, but you know, there is a lot besides science management, time management, you, you know, um, so I think having those other courses definitely add it to the profession, you know, to help manage, because you have to manage an office and, and run an office. So it's not only, the science part of it, it's, it's managing all that, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff as well. And especially with insurance companies, like all that, you have a lot of metrics to report to insurance companies. And I don't think people realize that, you know, like, yeah, we see the patient, but there's a lot of other things we do to make sure that patient is well, or that as a general population, we're doing well, like our diabetes metrics and reporting those metrics to the right people. So we could see, you know, how the medications are working or what we could do better to prevent this, you know, the, the side effects and long-term effects of like diabetes, for example. So, you know, we make sure that you see the eye doctor, the foot doctor, and all that's reported to the insurances. So they can see as a whole that, that, you know, this population that we're seeing is being taken care of to avoid any long, you know, long-term effects of the disease, not only treating the disease, but treating how it could affect us. So, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, you know, that we, uh, 
collaborate with the insurance companies and, you know, to make sure everybody's well. So I think having that master's really makes a difference to help them, you know, realize it's not only medicine, we have a lot of other parts as well. Right. So as, as students are preparing to maybe become physician assistants, it's important to take that pathway of sciences and even like a, a pathway of get, eventually getting your master's. So. so the master's is now right in with the program. Perfect. It's, it's yeah. So, so, and it was different when I went, but now it's right into the, in that program. So when they graduate, they have both, which is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So Teresa, clear that you have a very busy schedule and you do a variety of things throughout your, your days and you have a, a ton of experience. So I'm thinking that this next question is going to be super easy to answer, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, so, so how do you use STEM skills in your position? Well, you know, of course, like science, you know, we use it every single minute, <laughs> everything we learn to treat the patients and to know about, you know, the medication. So science, of course, plays the biggest role in, in, in my job. But in COVID, technology took over, you know, we had to be able to use technology so we can continue to see our patients. And so technology came to the forefront this at this time to make sure that we can continue to see our patients and do what we need to do, report our metrics that we need to report. And um, of course, math is very important in that, you know, to die, to calculate medicines, the right doses. So they all play a very important role and we use them every minute of every day. Wow. You are steeped in STEM as a physician's <laughs> assistant and, and, and STEM with a capital S, right? Yes. The science. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yep. So as a, as a follow-up question, then, um, one of the perennial arguments that our students make in school is when they're in school, in class, learning about something, their question is always, when are we ever going to use this? When is this ever going to be pertinent for my life? Uh, and so that's the kind of question that we hear students say a lot. And so I'm hoping maybe, Teresa, that you can help us put that question to rest and talk about perhaps some, some skills that you use every day that our students would be learning in school. And those could be academic skills or they could be other types of skills. Yes, and it's funny because I think we all have said that I'm never gonna use this again and, and I'll, I'll get back to the high school skills or the, 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 the school skills, but like for college, there's, a, there's an exam that we do, a neurological exam, and it's very, very technical and it's very specific and you're probably not going to use it much, but when you need to know it and you need to use it for that one patient and it's so important, the diagnosis, I remember my teacher saying, don't be rolling your eyes at this, someday you're going to use it and we do. <laughs> You know, and it's a critical part of an exam. So you use your skills. You know, we think we don't need to, we don't need these skills. We're never going to use them. But every single day, even the basic skills are so important. You know, math, of course, to calculate dosages, but, you know, even reading to learn to read. I, I, and to read and understand, I read every single day. That's how we keep up. You know, I read articles and journal articles and studies. Like if you're not a good reader and you're not a fast reader and you can't retain it, 
I need to do that. That skill is vital. You know, we're thinking, why are we reading these books? Why do we have to have comprehension? Because I have to read a lot every single day to keep up. So reading is very important. Um, you know, technology, we already covered that. That's, that's very important. And even the simple skills like listening, we learn to listen in school, we learn time management, we learn, we learn organization, all that is vital in getting through our day and making sure everybody is okay. So those skills, even though we don't think we ever use them, we use them every single day in different ways, maybe not exactly how we learn them, but they, they teach us how to do certain other things and like time management to help us get through our day. It's all those lifelong skills that you're listing that again, they're hidden. We never know it, but how useful they are. And I feel like all your life, you're working on these, like your whole life, you're working on listening, you're working on all those things. Absolutely. So Teresa, we were wondering, you know, you talk about skills that students can learn in school, what your path was, did you ever have an epiphany moment? Like, wow, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. Yes. Um, you know, you, you, when we, when we go to school and, and we learn and we decide what do we, you know, what do we want to do when you pick a course and like college. And I always want to be a teacher. And I said, right from second or third grade, I'm going to be a teacher. And then, you know, my someone went in the hospital that I knew and I'm thinking, oh, I kind of like this. And then I decided to take the science courses and I liked it. And I remember, and it's not anything very specific, but I remember this shadowing someone and they said, oh, I want, I want to show you the eye grounds, the back of the eye and optic nerve. And when I saw that, I'm like, this is the most fascinating thing. This is what I want to do. And it seems like something simple looking in the back of an eye but it clicked for me. I knew it was something I was interested in that I really was going to love. And I wanted to learn more about, and it's something that simple, you know, that's where it all starts. And, and I didn't end up in ophthalmology, but it was just the fact when you look behind that and you see the optic nerve and you're like, this is so fascinating. I, I want to know everything about this and then, and use those skills every day. So it was something that simple. I couldn't agree more, Teresa. I feel like it's always in the simple moments. Oftentimes when we're working with students, they think I need to have this huge epiphany or I need it to happen now, but sometimes just letting it come to you, looking in the small moments, that's where it's at. And you don't even know it. You don't even realize it. You know, you're like, it just, it's amazing. It is, it is. And it's something that simple. And I still as love it as much as then as I, you know, as I do now. Right. So it is now time for my favorite part. Uh, usually we do the blast five and I, I blast our speakers with five random questions. But for this season, we are asking our industry partners, what are the top five skills needed in your industry right now? So of course, like we said, science with a capital S is very important. Absolutely. Math. Yeah. <laughs> Math. And, and we, we touched a lot on technology, organization and time management. Absolutely. And you learn that in every day in school by going to lunch, going to locker on time, you know, that is something that you use most importantly, without a doubt, it's listening, listening skills. Even from the very beginning, your pre-K teacher says, put your listening ears on without listening skills. We won't, we, I couldn't do what I do today. Like you need to listen to the patient. You need to really listen to what they have to say. And 
I can't stress that enough. And I had a professor tell me that, that you could know everything about the body systems. You can know every medicine, but if you're not a good listener, it, you, it will never work. And I, to this day, listening is the most important thing. And, and that, that's what, that's what will make you very successful. Awesome. Thank you very much, Teresa. And so if our listeners here are listening, we just use listening a lot there, but if <laughs> yes, right. Good. <laughs> there you go. If they yep. are listening to this episode and they're like, man, I really feel like I want to be a physician assistant. Um, where is there, are there any resources that you have or places they could go to learn more about becoming a physician assistant? Yep. The National Academy of Physicians Assistants is online. They could look them up or the, the local colleges who have PA programs, Marywood, King's, uh, Misericordia. You can go onto their website and, um, you know, they tell you all about, you know, being a physician's assistant and what kind of, you know, requirements that they have for their particular institutions. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, Teresa, Alexandra, this has been a blast. I believe Alexandra, this is our last episode for season three. And so we're wrapping up with the one and only Teresa physician assistant. So Teresa, we celebrate you and what you do every day in STEM. Again, thank you for taking time to connect with us and our listeners. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you. Hopefully we can connect soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. We would like to thank you for blasting the airwaves with us today. If you like the show, please subscribe or leave a review. If you want to know more, check out www.iu17.org for further resources and show notes. If you'd like to learn more about NEPA STEM ecosystem and the work we're doing in STEM and job pathways, please visit us at www.nepastem.org. As always, we want to thank you for what you do every single day. We'd also like to especially thank our industry partners. Remember, keep shining. We'll be back next episode to provide you another educational solution and more resources for all as we continue to transform lives and communities through educational services.